My new course is available now. It's called Instructions to Inner Peace, Finding Equanimity and Healing Through an Organized Practice of Ho'opono. Pono. <laughs> now, this course is for anyone with anxiety, depression, PTSD, anger, self-worth issues, or for any spiritual seeker who wishes to raise their consciousness. Ho'oponopono, or as many people who have taken the course call it, HPO, <laughs> means to correct errors. It's the ancient Hawaiian technique of cleaning unwanted thought patterns, taking responsibility for your emotions, and raising your frequency for love. I've organized it into a daily practice for you. Check out the link below or go to www.peaceoverpain.com, enter the cyber clinic, and purchase this audio course for a very affordable cost. Give it a shot, see if it's for you, and please let me know how it turns out. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. So how do you bliss out through meditation? Welcome to episode number 132. Today, I'm sitting down with Francesco Gatti. He's a health researcher, meditation veteran, and co-founder of BlissOut.co. Before we jump into this conversation, please sit down and relax and take in this beautiful and valuable recording. Let's begin. Francesco, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So how does someone get naturally high? <laughs> A number of body-mind practices that I have the fortune in my life to have come across, and now they're also backed by research and science that show that you can get naturally high without the need of for example, substances or medication or drugs that is where normally people in our society tend to go when they want to switch off and have a, a space that goes beyond the routine of the chaotic minds with repetitive thoughts. So they normally naturally gravitate towards external substances, but those substances, they activate things that we already have in our body and there are ways where you can leverage your natural ability to produce those chemicals and feel naturally high. Mm. So I kind of started to research more and more what are the practices that can give you those um, feeling of being naturally high. Mm. You know, meditation is a big part of this, right? And to get to that blissed out state. Absolutely. I think meditation is... Uh, be, has become a secular practice that has been acknowledged by science, by medical professional, uh, that is one of the best tools we have to improve our men mental health. And 
the thing that we um, want to also, I want to show through the book that I've written Bliss Out is that meditation is normally associated with um, passive techniques. Mm. And my experience is that if you start with the passive techniques in order to get to the state of bliss, it's a little bit of a long journey. And many people get lost um, after very briefly Mm. and they get through some obstacles, the initial obstacles that we all experience when we start meditating and they don't carry on and then they miss out on a big opportunity that we have with meditation. So um, there are ways where it's easier to remove the obstacles for you to get to that state that meditation has to offer. So of course, meditation is very helpful for relaxation, for stress relief, for improving your sleep, for improving your mental cognition and a number of other benefits that are proven, but there is something even bigger and beyond that, which is an experience of inner bliss that is possible to achieve. What would you say are some of the obstacles for meditation? So I think most of the techniques that are available for meditations are, have been devised thousands of years ago, but the, the way we live today is very different. So in my experience, meditation needs an urgent upgrade, if you like, in order to be able to match up the different lifestyle that we live today. So today we have new obstacles to meditation that perhaps our ancestors didn't have, simply because the way we live today is completely different. Today we live in big cities. We have 8 billion people on planet Earth. We have an information overload. We are overstimulated. We have a predominantly sedentary lifestyle. It's the most sedentary species we have been before, simply because we don't need to move as much as we used to mm-hmm. uh, thousands of years ago for billions, for thousands of years. So this has to be taken into account if we want to really find a way to speed up the process of our meditation practice and our, you know, improving our mental health. So in my experience, and what is the data showing as well, some of the obstacles to meditations are that our minds are very chaotic um, because we have no overstimulated, we are overstimulated and stress is at all uh, high times in our modern world. I think we've never been as stressed as we are today. And the reason why is because our lifestyle has become really fast paced, high pressure, and we receive a lot of stimulation at all times. You know, we have these beautiful devices that are mobile phone and I use it all the time, but at the same time, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it carries a lot of side effects. In addition to all the, you know, the, the pressure at work that we have, and then in, com- in combination with that, we sit most of the time in predominantly in front of screens, either yeah. a computer or again, the mobile phone, because we have to work. And instead of working, uh, some people still have their professions where they go outdoor and do physical activities, but th- the world population is moving more and more towards working via computers. Mm. And this means sitting in front of a computer most of the time and using our minds to process information. And the combination of these two things 
it's quite unnatural. You know, our body is not being designed to sit all day and just use our mind for processing information. So I think this is bringing a lot of issues that if they are not addressed, you imagine spending eight, 10 hours, even six, seven hours at work in front of a computer and then going home and sitting down, trying to meditate. I've done that and it was counterproductive. You know, I didn't go very far with that because again, after focusing, using my mind and sitting still, again, I had to spend an hour sitting still, watching my breath or chanting a mantra. And I find that either I would fall asleep or I would get very frustrated, very bored. Um, it just didn't work. You know, my body wasn't happy to sit again and my mind was resisting uh, you know, my attempt to, you know, have a clear my mind all of a sudden, you know, just close your eyes and relax. <laughs> it's actually, I was getting even more anxious and more restless. Yeah. And I think it's not just, you know, I realized through the time that it's not just my personal issue. I thought maybe at the beginning, it was just me. I'm not cut out for meditation. I'm not, uh, I don't have the meditator's genes, you know, maybe <laughs> something <laughs> and maybe I'm not doing it correctly but if you talk to people you will find out that uh, many people face the same issues and it's normal it's absolutely normal it's nothing wrong with that simply because the lifestyle we have it's not conducive to spend so many hours and then just sitting down and trying to relax directly I think it's not as effective as it could be yeah so you have a new book out called Bliss Out. And on your website, blissout.co, you you have in text, discover a new disruptive type of meditation. So that's going to catch someone's attention right there. Disruptive type of meditation. Now that's an oxymoron right there. <laughs> and then you say life is not about sitting still. So why should meditation be? Please explain. Yeah, so first of all, meditation per se <clears throat> is a state of being. And I think there are different ways to get there. So meditation is meditation, but there are different techniques and different ways to experience that, that moment of, that can be, for everyone is different. You know, it's, it's hard to say, I can only speak for myself and I'm not inside the brain and the mind of someone else, but you know, there is a state that can be achieved and that I've experienced it in my life thanks to the practice of meditation. And life is not about sitting still. So why should meditation be? Is because ultimately life is movement. Everything is in constant movement. You know, our body, as we talk now, our cells are dying, re reborn, everything is changing, we are getting older, <laughs> the time is, is passing, you know, everything is, the, the earth is, is moving, everything is moving. And this idea that you need to uh, sit down and be still for meditation, I think I want to challenge that. And I think there are different ways. It's definitely one way it can work for many people and that's beautiful, but many other people find that very challenging. So there are you can use body movement to help you um, achieve that state 
through a practice of meditation. So this is, I think, very important because normally, even today that meditation is becoming mainstream, is becoming a secular practice, it's been accepted. Uh, it's a little bit the same that happened before with fitness, you know, in the, in the 60s and 70s, I think people who went to the gym were only bodybuilders and fanatics and, you know, there was no one going jogging, you, you were considered a little bit crazy. And then, you know, now uh, when, in the, when I started meditating also wasn't uh, a thing like it's today, you know, it was a spiritual practice, it was a bit of a woo-woo thing. Yeah. Whereas nowadays meditation is definitely um, a proven practice to improve and help uh, people to feel more relaxed, to improve mental health. But the, when you say meditation, still today, most people associate it with something that is still, something that you have to sit silently, close your eyes and magically you relax. And I think that uh, doesn't work for many people. It didn't mm -hmm. work for me. And I know for sure it doesn't work for many others. So I want to talk to these people, people who are interested in meditation, but they are not attracted to the fact that they need to sit still. People who want to try something different, they're already meditating, but they may want to try a, a more effective or different way. You know, I, you know, I do sport and I like to try different types of sport. I love eating, I, lo I, lo I love trying different types of food. But also there are people, the main reason why people who don't meditate and have tried meditation and they stopped is because they found it hard and they found it boring. So I think if you start with body movement, it's a way to make meditation a more enjoyable practice that it will help you to stick around for a little longer and ultimately experience the real gift that meditation has to offer. Yeah. And so you, from what I know, you were a big practitioner of dynamic meditation, right? Which is made famous by Osho, the Bhagwan back in the seventies. Mm -hmm. And uh, could you describe what dynamic meditation looks like? Yeah. So dynamic meditation is the most powerful meditation I think that has ever been designed. Mm. Uh, as you mentioned, it's been designed by Osho, known as uh, Bhagwan. Uh, in 1970, he introduced dynamic meditation for the first time. And I'm a big, big, big fan of dynamic meditation. I've practiced dynamic meditation now for over 20 years. And at some point, I did it for four years, every single day. Wow. It sounds like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal to do a meditation. You know, if you practice meditation, you do it every day. But once you know what dynamic meditation is about, if you think to do it every day for four years, it's been quite a commitment because dynamic meditation is a very intense, very physically demanding practice. And it's, um, it's a total game changer. And in the book, I go into great details in trying to explain also the science behind dynamic meditation. Because when Osho created dynamic meditation, he experimented on people. So in this sense, he was scientific in the way that he was testing what worked on people, get feedback, adjust, improve. He used his genius to come up with, with a technique that was able to help modern people living in, in, you know, at the time, 1970s, that couldn't really benefit from the, 
traditional meditation techniques. However, at that time, there were not the tools that we have available today and the science wasn't there to actually prove what meditation does. So there are a couple of studies, one specifically published on PubMed that um, looked at the effect of dynamic meditation and it reduces cortisol levels. So it's good for you know, managing stress essentially. But for me, medi dynamic meditation has much more to offer than that. <laughs> and so I um, attempted to look at all the paper, all the studies and link to the different stages of the technique to see what really, um, you know, to see dynamic meditation in, in the full spectrum of his, its, uh, its beauty. And uh, so, you know, there are five stages. It normally lasts, it lasts for one hour. And the first stage is um, chaotic deep breathing. So now we have a lot of studies done on breath work right. that used to be called pranayama, <laughs> but right. now it's called breath work. So in, 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 especially thanks to um, Wim Hof. I was just going to say the Iceman does that breathing as well. Right. So yeah. because of him, he really brought a lot of attention to, to breath work. And there have been a lot of studies conducted in the last you know, 10, 10, 15 years and more and more in the last few years. So I looked at those studies and trying to think because dynamic meditation has a specific type of breathing, which is a type of hyperventilation. So even though Wim Hof breathing is not exactly the same as dynamic, but there are some similarities. So I was, I was trying to understand how those studies apply to dynamic meditation. And it's fascinating, you know, hyperventilation is, is a way to, you know, boost your, for example, one thing that people, you know, I didn't know is that uh, through the Wim Hof breathing, you stimulate your adrenaline, for example, and that's counter, counter, counterintuitive because you think you want to do breath work to, to relax, whereas, you know, that's stimulating adrenaline because it's hyperventilation. Anything that is fast breathing is mainly... Um, arousing the sympathetic nervous system. Whereas if you want to relax and stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, then you need to uh, do some practices of breath work that um, in, emphasizes the exhale and they slow down your, your breath timing. Um, so that's one thing. And then the second stage of dynamic meditation is catharsis. And that's really an innovative um, thing that Osho brought into the world of meditation. Yeah. Mm, and so you are allowed to express through the body, through the voice and throw out all the emotions that come, um, in whatever comes in, in, in the surface. So on that, now we also have evidence from uh, a number of uh, psychotherapists and neuroscientists who acknowledged that if you don't express negative emotions, emotions in general, but specifically negative emotions, they can lead long-term to health issues, health hazards. That was a great intuition that Osho had back then. So normally the advice you get on how to handle negative emotion and, and anger, for example, which is a very powerful emotion is to 
you know, just watch, wait, uh, control your emotion of, or uh, at best, you know, a meditation teacher might tell you to just detach, watch the emotions and it will go. But with anger, it's not that easy. You know, it's so overpowering. So, you know, it just it's because there is a whole host of uh, chemical reaction happening in the body, you know, adrenaline kicks in. And once you are flooded with adrenaline, and you try to watch it, you know, unless you're a super advanced meditator, chances are you are losing it and you just go with the chemicals <laughs> that are possessing you. So I think a more smart approach that can be very helpful is to actually, okay, adrenaline is in the body now. So I act, I actually naturally follow what the body is telling me to do rather than uh, try to repress it or you know, stop it or freezing. So when we have negative emotions, the body is producing those chemicals and those chemicals, if they're not expressed, they end up going somewhere. They're not disappearing. So normally in the past, we used to have those emotions for short term and the body would use that energy that is produced by those emotions. So you kind of release that very powerful charge. Whereas nowadays, because we live sedentary lifestyle, because we are not encouraged to express our emotions, if we get angry and we are in an office, if we are in, stuck in traffic, that anger is not, has no chance to, to be expressed and ultimately slowly, slowly, slowly starts to have a negative effect on our health. So the fact that we can express emotions in a context of a, of a meditation where you are safe, you're not hurting anyone, you're not hurting yourself, you're not picking a fight with someone, I think it's brilliant. It's very helpful. And, and, and of course, the cathartic stage is the controversial one too, because people are kind of, if the average person came walking down the street and saw you in that stage, they'd be like, oh, this guy's crazy, and they'd run away. <laughs> Because you're going, yeah. you're jumping, you're, 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 you're just screaming, you're doing all this stuff. Explain and educate people and, and just look at the data and look at the effect and look at what the stress response does and what, how the body reacts to emotions chemically, you know, the hormonal changes that happen in the body and how to handle that, you know, and if you come up to me, that with a better solution, I will follow you. But I think for me now, in my understanding, in my research, um, I feel like, and, and it's also what some experts now advise, you know, if you look at many experts, they say, you know, repressing emotions is not the best strategy, but yeah. they still don't go as far as advising a full catharsis, even though they say, you know, you better shake, you better let it out, you better cry. You know, there, I, I've heard, you know, cut on a leaf, is a neuroscientist, Marisa Pierce is a, is a famous psychotherapist. So there are people also who are, you know, frontline started to openly uh, acknowledging the benefits of expressing emotions, but we are not there yet. So for example, a, an idea could be that people start to acknowledge the importance of expressing emotions and say you are in an office, maybe you can have a dedicated room where if you feel angry, you can go in that room and just let it out. So yeah. instead of picking a fight and start you know, having conflicts with your colleagues, you know, if you feel that emotion is overpowering you, let it out, chill, and then you come back. I think we will 
we would be in a better place. I think it would be a great experiment that uh, we could try on a larger scale, definitely much more than what we see today. Today, we see people getting angry, keeping it in, and then, you know, ending up freezing their body or developing diseases or just lashing it out at others, going crazy, because people still do go crazy. You know, they... You, you just mentioned before, if you are on the street and you see someone going crazy, if they are on their own doing a catharsis, they think, oh, that guy is crazy. But if they're fighting with someone else, oh, they're just angry and stressed. Right, right, right. So yeah, I think we, we need to change perception and we need to start understanding how the body reacts and how our lifestyle is so overwhelming that we need to let it out. We do need, you know, it's a natural... Back um, in the 70s, you know, video would come out from Osho's commune of people doing catharsis and all sorts of rumors were spread about it, right? Like, because on video, you're seeing people doing wild things, right? But they're really just acting out their aggression. But of course, the media or whoever can, they can take the video and they can spin the narrative into you know, brainwashing or all sorts of nonsense uh you know, narratives, right? Yeah, there has been a lot on that uh, with with the with the commune. But I think nowadays it's not twenty twenty one. We have yeah. a lot of data, a lot of science, a lot of very educated people, mental health experts who started to understand the the brain in a different way. So again, we need to bring it back to practical terms and and, and a secular practice backed by science. And we need to start thinking that if you have an, a stress response and your body is flooded with adrenaline, where do you think this adrenaline, adrenaline is going to go? Yeah. Unless you express it or, or, or you are so advanced that you can let it out. But the human body is designed to use that energy for a reason. That's why the body is producing adrenaline because it, it thinks that you need it for an action. And that if no action follows, something doesn't, you know, the body gets confused and eventually breaks down. So we need to, I think, if we start changing this narrative and we educate people, um, I hope that uh, it can improve, improve our mental health. Yeah. So what's the next stage of dynamic? The next stage is jumping on the spot. Mm shouting the sound who Ooh. and yeah who who you raise your hands and you jump uh, you land on your feet and your intention is to raise your energy and using the sound who and it's super powerful super effective and i mean there are some physiological benefits uh, just because you're jumping you know forget about everything else just jumping now is proven to be a form of aerobic exercise and mm -hmm. you know we all know how beneficial it is to have at least 20 30 minutes of aerobic exercise every day and there you have 10 minutes of continuous jumping so it's quite intense and you can get away with your daily fitness routine just by doing that 10 minutes of jumping you know it improves bone mass it improves your vo2 max 
and you know it, it's a wonderful way to um, just on a physiological level on top of that because you're shouting the, the sound who you also feel physically you feel it and you are kind of raising your energy now it's a bit difficult to explain energy because what is energy is still not clear but people who do dynamic meditation know because you feel it in your body that something is 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 happening and uh, we know because you know everyone that does physical activity that you when you run when you jump when you dance you know there is a release in the body of bliss chemicals so something chemically is happening is a, is a change in brain chemistry you know you have your serotonin your uh, dopamine they're all uh, the endorphin they're all activated and that's how you know that's why it's so good to to do sport and there you're jumping you're using the sound you feel this energy that is um, growing and sometimes you really feel it in your brain you know that's the idea when when you start hitting your core center of your energy and you push this energy up against the gravity then when it gets to your head you have fireworks, you know, it happens to me so many times in my, it's my favorite stage of the meditation because that's where I feel like there is something more than the body because I, you can jump against gravity. You can jump where you feel like you, you are defying the law of gravity. It's a beautiful sensation. Mm. So the next stage, you go into silence. And that is the, <laughs> normally people start with the fourth stage of dynamic meditation. Normally you, you know, sit or stand still or you sit down, you, you close your eyes and you relax. Whereas we start meditation after half an hour of intense activity, of breath work, emotional expression, of jumping. And only at that point we can be in silence because once our minds are more clear our body is being activated so you we, we release stress we increase our chemicals our bliss chemicals then your energy is high and then at that point is is the best time to attempt um, meditation to sit quietly and uh, or, or just stand in dynamic you actually stand you freeze completely and you want to exploit as much as possible this opposite this dynamic movement from complete movement to total stillness osho was very peculiar on that you know you at the peak of your energy of your action you stop you you stop and you kind of as if the pendulum reaches one end and then automatically shift and goes to the other end and and it's a, like an alchemy it's a, a, a chemical reaction and um, in that stage you just be with yourself and you obviously you will feel your heart is beating, you're probably sweating, you know, those things are easy to observe, but slowly, slowly, you also start watching the reaction, you know, the, the thoughts in your mind and your emotion, and then something energetically, because all that energy that has been activated now that you're still starts to move inside and settle. So it's a beautiful opportunity to really stay with yourself to watch yourself and um, so, yeah that's the silent stage and you did it for 20 years yeah well i started in 
I think 1998, 1999, I did it for the first time. And then, uh, yeah, I still do it at any opportunity. I don't do it every day. Um, I, I've done it every day for four years continuously, like every single day. And that was the time where I really wanted to have a change in my life and which it happened. It was a complete transformation. And then I felt so good. I almost got addicted to the benefits of dynamic. And so I just carried on. <laughs> it, it, it kept blessing you out, right? Exactly. <laughs> so how did you maintain to do it every day? Because, you know, I've talked to many people who do dynamic and it's one of those things where it is loud. So, you know, if you live in a suburban neighborhood, you know, people might call the cops on you. <laughs> do you have to yeah. go to the neighbors and let them know? Yes. And that's the reason why I stopped, uh, at the fourth year because I moved to a new place and the neighbor downstairs at the third day of dynamic came up and say hey what's going on in the morning you know <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of explained myself but then I decided to because you know the, unfortunately in that flat the the pavement was you know you could hear everything basically you know like whereas in the previous apartment uh, it, for some reason you know the neighbors didn't complain of course I could there are ways to muffle the sound. There are ways, you know, to go about it, but uh, depends on your neighborhood, depends on the condition of your flat, it depends where you live, but you can still do it. I mean, I did it even, you know, you can see that for years, sometimes I would travel. I was in hotel rooms. I was at friends places. I was in my parents' house, you know, like everywhere, you know, if you want to do it, you do it. You know, if you have the motivation, if you, if you feel the benefit, you just do it, you know. Um, if you want to, basically, the way to go about it is the second stage, you can do it in silence. And there are two ways. One, you can take a pillow and, and shout in the pillow if you mm. want to release through the voice. And that works. Or you just use body movement. So you don't use your voice and you just express everything through body movement. I personally think, of course, it's best to be free. There is, you know, if, if you have an opportunity to express everything through the voice, body movement without any restrictions, without being worried about neighbors. Obviously that's the ideal scenario, but there are still benefit of doing dynamic, even if you have complaining neighbors and you just, you know, use a pillow or you use body movement. And the third stage, you, you know, the who normally, it's not a massive, you know, issue with neighbors is more the second stage, but the neighbor, the, the, the jumping can be a problem if you have people downstairs. And that was my issue. The, the third sure. stage was the big problem because the, the one downstairs, I was like, everything was shaking because it yeah. was a 1930 build yeah. and you, you, you could hear like every step, even a cat walking. Yeah, you could yeah. And uh, you're not a small dude either. You look like you're over yeah. six foot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am an anti-KG. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so many people swear by dynamic meditation. So many people say it's the greatest meditation ever created, or it's on par with Buddha's Vipassana, mm -hmm. uh, which is different, just a different style, but both work for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. What's the transformation that you went through in those four years? 
So a total transformation. I think dynamic works on changing your chemistry as well. Um, so for me, I used to be very angry. So anger was a big thing in my life, a big theme. And, um, you know, you wouldn't say perhaps because, you know, I may look like, you know, a nice kind guy, but I, I was actually super angry um, for a number of reasons. So to have the opportunity to release anger from the past, not just the, the daily accumulated anger that we all experience, you know, if we live, especially in big cities, there is always an opportunity to, to get angry. You know, the guy that pushes you on the public transport, the guy that cuts you on, on, on when you are in traffic, you know, the, the normal pressure at work, you know, anger is, an, is a normal emotion that we all feel and we shouldn't feel bad about it. You know, it just, you know, it, it's, it's there. There is love, there is anger, it's sadness. It's, it's one of the emotions that we have in our rainbow in our experience but because amber, anger is a little bit troublesome because it creates conflicts with people and it's not uh, encouraged in society so we tend to feel bad about it because also we don't know what to do with anger right and if you start expressing it and get into a conflict you you know normally you are blamed you feel guilty you shouldn't have said that you shouldn't have done that and then you know the day after again off you go and <laughs> it's it's so difficult to control and the best advice you get just control keep your cool uh, it's not working very well so for me to have the opportunity to express anger has been a big part of it but I've, I mean, there are so many other benefits I got. For example, I used to have asthma. I had uh, breathing um, constrictions. I didn't breathe very well. And through the breath work of the first stage, I cured myself. So now I don't take any, I used to take medication. Now I'm completely off many years now. And, mm. and uh, it's just gone. You know, I don't know exactly when and how but just by doing meditation during those four years at some point uh, I didn't have any problem breathing and now I'm absolutely fine medication free nice. then the experiences I had in terms of raising my energy level I also used to have you know anxiety depression and a feeling of not being fully awake fully alive and fully energetic and the third stage with this raising your energy and keeping it up has been a great opportunity for me to understand how I can be. I mean, it kind of raised the bar for what, how I can live. I can live at a much higher level of energy compared to what I used to experience before. I used to, you know, you, some people just think that being, you know, low on energy is normal because that's all they know. But for me, there was a much higher level that I could aspire to. Right. And then, you know, also to now be able to sit down and do a more um, kind of passive traditional meditation technique and enjoy it has been probably the biggest gift because after a lot of dynamic meditation, now for me, it's so much easier to relax and meditate. Before it was basically impossible for me. Mm because I had so much accumulated stress, so much accumulated anger, and, uh, you know, my energy level was low. So just to start, that, that's how I started. Uh, when I came to know first about meditation was um, what 
at the time was called Vipassana and now it's more known as mindfulness where you sit down, you watch your breath. Um, and for me, it was a torture. You know, I just didn't get it. And I, I, I just gave up because I thought, you know, this, this thing is driving me even more crazy. Right. And then now that, you know, sometimes just spontaneously, naturally, or sometimes even in the morning, I enjoy a passive technique and I, I just love it, you know, I just spend time in nature, close my eyes, sit by a tree, or just even with open eyes, looking at the sky without focusing on anything in particular and just enjoying the present moment and breathing in, breathing out. It's a miracle. And I owe it to many years of dynamic meditation no doubt about that in the book bliss out are there other techniques also described besides dynamic yes absolutely so dynamic for me was the kind of door the key through which i could then access uh, different states of being experience bliss, enhance my energy level. But then I went down the rabbit hole is are there any other practices that are science-based um, and they can um, kind of fit into this framework of thinking of meditation by releasing stress, moving the body, activating these bliss chemicals, and then sit and relax. Is that you know, is there a way I can create like a formula, if you like, to hacking bliss, to hacking this highest state of being that uh, can be done through dynamic meditation, but are there are other techniques, other ways? And yes, there are, there are. And uh, there are sometimes things that are very easy to practice, very enjoyable uh, and very effective. Uh, for example, you know, just dancing, you know, dancing is something that is so normally people associate dancing with clubbing, with, you know, consuming alcohol and partying. But thankfully, even just in the last 10, 10 years, there have been this rise of, uh, you know, daybreakers, morning gloryville, you know, this uh, sober rave party, static dance. Uh, five movements, you know, that people started to really understand the power and magic of dancing. And it's wonderful because it, 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 is, it is true. I mean, through dancing, you can, again, it's proven that dancing is probably the one that is the best at activating all the bliss chemicals and you enjoy the body movement and, um, you know, people can get you know, free of inhibition. There's no need to take any substance to really feel high through a beautiful dance, especially in, in a group environment. So in our live events, definitely we use dance. And Osher's also, I mean, of course, he was pioneering in this as well. I mean, dance was a very much part, it's part of dynamic meditation and it's part of a lot of the uh, other techniques that he devised. Yeah. So yeah, dancing is definitely key, but there are other things like shaking yeah. uh, to release tensions from the body is a very, you know, easy An thing. animals do that too. Exactly. Exactly. Now there is a whole a new science, <laughs> uh, tension release exercises and, and, you know, it's a natural response of the body to shake. And then that's how you release that again, the stress. And then you can move on and come back to the baseline. Whereas if we have these emotions and we 
a freeze and we don't release that, then it creates issues in the way. So there are, there are different ways and shaking is definitely one of it. So especially for people who feel a little bit numb, a little bit that they are not in touch with their emotions or their body stiff. Some people you can tell they're like very stiff in the body. I think shaking is a beautiful way to start releasing and melting those blocks. Yeah. Uh, because now we know it's proven by science that uh, unexpressed emotions are stored as toxins in the tissues, in the body. And they don't only create in the long-term health issues, but they also create a very stiff body. So in the book, we're going to get a bunch of meditations that improve our life. And it's 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 more than just sitting down and being still. They're active. They're they're uh, they're movement based. Absolutely, absolutely, and they they're based on this idea that before attempting sitting down, it's best to start with the practices to release stress from the body and mind through dancing, through shaking, through even gibberish or making sounds or using uh, talking a language that you don't know. That's another wonderful technique that anyone can practice it's very easy of course if you've never done it before you may think it's a little awkward but just by talking a language that you don't know or making meaningless sounds it's so liberating because our language is linked to our rational part of the mind so every time we talk we kind of have to focus we have to engage our rationality so by kind of deconstructing this process and just using the voice for the pleasure of it and letting it go we are kind of disengaging the rational part and engaging other parts of the brain and it's very relaxing it's very pleasurable it releases energy so that's another beautiful way to release stress especially that's more in the mind but you can do gibberish you can talk a language that you don't know as you move your body as you shake as you sometimes you can you know breathe uh, do a little bit of hyper breathing or you can just laugh laughter is the ancient technique probably that uh, we as humans we have created yeah and now again it's proven by science there is um, a lot of uh, attention on um, the health benefits of uh, laughter oh yeah if you, if you want to change your mindset find something funny absolutely absolutely so a very good laugh yes. so I, I i have to ask you this i read that you spent a year in a himalayan forest yes. on a retreat mm-hmm. please do explain <laughs> <laughs> so yes that was a difficult time in my life i was a little bit confused about what to do with myself and I really wanted to have a change and go deeper into meditation because when I got into meditation at the beginning of my journey, it was really about trying to find eternal peace. You know, it was more about, you know, chasing this dream of enlightenment, you know, that that's, that's what really got me excited. <laughs> and of course, through the many years, I realized it's not that easy and perhaps it's not, I don't even know if it's possible. I don't know what enlightenment is. I think meditation is a wonderful practice to be happier and healthier. And, and perhaps it may lead to enlightenment, but I don't know. I, so I don't, I can't speak about that. But 
um, at that time, I really wanted to, to have an experience that was deeper than whatever I, I, I've, I could do on my own practicing at home and you know, for one hour or two or three sometimes, but still having the daily commitments, living in a city, it's hard to go deeper. So I decided to go into um, a retreat and my flight ticket was for two weeks initially. <laughs> it was a two week trip, uh, but that turned into a full year. Mm, so <laughs> that's what happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, it completely changed my life. Um, I did have an opportunity to go much, much deeper than any, any time before there were times where I would meditate for 10 hours per day. Mm. And even when you don't meditate, you are in a forest, you are surrounded in an environment, you know, there was hardly any Wi-Fi. electricity would go off for more than 10 hours per day. So, you know, there were very little distractions. There were a few books available, but there were books on spirituality. So <laughs> it was all, uh, very much um, the whole context, the whole environment was kind of uh, very little distractions from yourself. And it was tough at the beginning. I have to say it was tough. Uh, but it almost, almost sounds like a Zen like, monastery or something. Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So what's it like meditating for 10 hours a day? I mean, it's not consistent. It's, it's in little bits and pieces obviously you got to go to the bathroom and eat and stuff but that's a lot of meditation it's a lot of meditation yes i mean it's basically you have techniques normally that are structured practices that you start in the morning with some pranayama with yoga then you do dynamic meditation then you have breakfast but as you are having breakfast you are in silence and you eat mindfully so it's not a formal practice but you are in meditation as you eat mm. because you're not talking, you're not distracting yourself. You're kind of, you know, just very slow. You walk slow. As you go to the loo to do your pee, you walk slow and you try to practice awareness of your breath. And I say try because, you know, it's not easy, at least for me, it's not easy. But once you are in a forest and you do a lot of formal practices, including dynamic meditation, it sets you up for it. It, it really, there is a, a chemical change in your brain and there is an energe energetic support of the environment and the people around you're not looking at your phone, you're not engaging in conversations about, you know, any, whatever, you know, you're not worried about work, you're not worried about emails. So everything is conducive to you to go inside. And then you have the support of specific techniques that you practice. So it's not just, you know, you sit down for 10 hours and you're in silence. So at least that the, the type of place I was, it was an Osho place. So we were doing a lot of Osho meditations. And there are a number of different techniques. There was a lot of dancing as well. So mm -hmm. you may not talk, but you can express through dance, through body movement. So it was much easier. So it wasn't the traditional uh, Buddhist monastery where you sit down in silence for 10 hours, which I personally think is not for everyone. It's definitely not for me. <laughs> <laughs> right on. 
So you mentioned enlightenment and how that was kind of your motivation in the beginning, right? We all kind of chase it, you know, same here. (laughs) But I've learned a lot from my my current mentor, Vishrant, who says that enlightenment might be a karma thing. And the best that you can do is just get into a place of higher consciousness where you're just, you know, that mindfulness where you're watching your thoughts, you're watching your emotions, you know, you're just in a state of equanimity and that supports the enlightenment and whether it happens or not, it's not up to you. (laughs) That's my understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's, I think, uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, for me personally, you know, when I started, I was very young. Uh, I think I was 18, 19 when I first came across um, a book about meditation. And then I soon after I discovered Osho. And Osho, of course, it talks a lot about enlightenment. Um, and he got me inspired, you know, really had fire in my belly. And, and you know, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted that. Yeah. Uh, and now I think I'm, I'm in a different space where I just want to be normally happy, considering that there are emotions, there are negative emotions, there are moments, there are ups and downs. Uh, there is definitely bliss as part of the experience of life. And I'm super grateful that I had the opportunity to touch that space. But I don't know if I could be in that space 24 hours. I don't know if that it's even the point. I don't know if that what enlightenment is. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a little bit more down to earth to what is the reality of my life. And... Um, and yeah, you know, just enjoying the small things. And uh, I don't think about enlightenment anymore. But as you say, by practicing meditation regularly, perhaps there might be a state that, I, you know, one day I will, I will achieve that. But it's not my... I don't wake up in the morning thinking of enlightenment as I used to do before and doing 10 hours meditation, you know? like yeah. I feel like yeah. now... I just, um, I wake up, I take a cold shower, I meditate, I enjoy my coffee, I, I do some work and, and, and that's just beautiful. You know, I pet my cat, I, you know, enjoy, you know, I spend time with my beloved and, you know, I'm in, I'm in nature and I try to do things that I love doing and, uh, and that's it really. So before I ask my last question, where can someone go get this book, Bliss Out? And where can they find you? Yeah, so we have a website, uh, www.blissout.co. And pretty much everything is there. We've got a book. We've got a online workshop for people who want to know a little bit more and spend an hour of their time with us and also we have an online course which goes a little bit deeper in everything that uh, we discussed today and we discussed in the book we offer three meditation practices 
um, that people can do with us uh, from the comfort of the home. And uh, we go into much more details on the science and, um, and we explain uh, why doing this meditation is beneficial for people. And, um, and we guide people step-by-step step on what they need to do if they want to achieve um, th those results. And, um, and yeah, all the informations are on the website. And uh, yeah, we're always happy to engage with people. And we also offer live retreats, but of course at the moment due to COVID, um, it's a little bit on hold. We are hopefully aiming to offer um, these uh, live retreats next spring and summer and finally we also offer an opportunity to work with us on a one-to-one -one basis for people who really want to go very deep and have uh, uh, individual support because sometimes some people they meditate they are at home or they even go to some groups but I personally had mentors in meditations, but also in other aspects of my life. And I found that um, if you're serious about something to have a mentor, it's the best opportunity to really grow and go deeper and learn. It is. So last question. How can meditation prepare us to die? Hmm. I think death is together with sex, the two most uh, taboo subjects, right? Taboo subject, but yeah. they're the two keys, the, the two most important things, the beginning and end of life. And uh, I think with sex, we are kind of uh, now talk about it. It's less of a taboo, uh, but death is still a big taboo. You know, I personally also, I, even though I've been meditating for so long, uh, but I, I know I'm aware that I try not to think too much of death. But I must say that there, are, there have been times in meditation where I touched the real fear of death. Because when I go deep in meditation, there is nothing there and it's kind of dying and, and that scares me. Mm. So I think how meditation can prepare for death, I don't have an answer to that. Mm. Uh, but definitely I think that death is something that we all naturally try to avoid thinking about, but it's we all we are all gonna die <laughs> apparently so apparently so even though now the science is is um you know there is a whole science of longevity or how to extend lives um through lifestyle interventions but also through medical interventions and apparently some people are claiming that they can live up to 180 years and you know if we stick around for 50 years or so we are probably likely able to live much longer due to innovation and even some people are saying that death is a disease and we may one day never die i'm not so sure about that i'm not sure that a life without death would make any sense at all no I think the, there is the, the, the fact that we are we die is what makes life exciting and what makes life meaningful because it's here and now and now it's not. So yeah, I think yeah, that's that's my answer. I don't know if that <laughs> it works. It works. 
Francesco, Ooh. man, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.